לשידור ישיר ממחנה רמה בברקשיירס. Welcome to another edition of Marshall Talk, by Elliot Malamek in Highland Park, New Jersey, Highland Park Conservative Public Congregation on Shaman, and joining me, my good friends, Rabbi Barry Chesler from a studio somewhere in Long Island, and Rabbi Jeremy Kalmanowski from the usual place, Ansheikhaz in New York City. Hey, it's great to, well, you know, it was great to be back at camp. First of all, big, big shout out, right? Mitch Mernick for producing us last week. We want to thank you. Great, great audio. Great audio. You can get the all audio versions of uh, the Parsha Talks uh, at Korama, Korama, and it's available on SoundCloud as well. Uh, and we apologize for the audio quality from the, the, rec- the video that was done off of my iPod or iPhone. And uh, that's why it was not as good as the Mitch Mernick quality broadcasting. Thank you, Mitch Mernick. And thank you to our friends and uh, listeners all over the world. And thank you especially to Machane Rahman, the Berkshires, who is putting us up on the uh, the radio. Uh, we are broadcast in Dutchess County, still calling ourselves the best Parsha talk in Dutchess County, New York, because it's the only one. <laughs> well, that's because we've intimidated everyone else. The other people tried to start it. It's like, you know, people tried to compete with, like, you know, Coca-Cola or something like that. We're the classic. We're out of the water. Parsha talk classic. Okay. This week's Parsha is an amazing Parsha. This week's Shabbat is an important Shabbat. The Parsha is Va'et Hanan. The Shabbat is Shabbat Nachamu. Uh, we'll talk. We'll get a chance to talk about both briefly. So let's start with Vayet Hanan. Vayet Hanan takes us really into the 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 crisis of Moshe's life. Moshe, as we know, couldn't get into the land. Was not allowed for to get into the land um, for all sorts of reasons. One of which was, you know, what we saw a few weeks ago. Instead of speaking to the rock that God had asked him to do. He hit the rock, and I, we explored that a little bit. It's one one reason, um, and there are many, many other reasons, including a, a reason which I shared in a midrash from D- Dvarim Rabbah with uh, my friends here, that, uh, you know, Moses was differentiated from the rest of the people, needed to remain outside. I, I, Jeremy, you want to just talk about this on a, on in the, in the sense of, the necessity of keeping Moses outside of the land and why that works. We'll touch on that theme. And Barry also, I know you have things to say about that. And and I will talk about just how bad it feels. Okay. Yeah. So I want to illustrate this with a, a small detail that will come at the beginning of the book of Joshua, uh, that on the day that they entered the land, they had to eat from the pro. They began it was Passover and the new crop is coming, and they have to begin eating 
uh, from the natural land. Whereas in the desert, they've been eating this miraculous divine gift of manna. And to me, that is a that is an illustration of the principle that I'm referring to here, that um, the the passage through the wilderness where God is leading them with the pillar of, of fire and cloud, of speaking to Moses all the time, uh, giving them, sustaining this with miraculous food, that's kind of not real life. And when you enter the land, you have to have real life. And Moshe is a figure of such enormous power and such enormous wisdom, and he's the kind of person who who is is you know, uh, not the kind of person. He is a singular person who stands in the borderline between uh, between humanity and the divine. You know, like he's the he's the uh, AI prototype. He's not like a regular intelligence. He's not like a regular spirit. And he was appropriate for the kind of you know leader who's going to bring people to Har Sinai, who's going to get a Torah. Alita Lamarom Shavita Shevi says the the Book of Psalms. You went up to heaven, Moses. And you brought back a captive, meaning the Torah. Um, but once you enter the land, that's not the kind of relationship you're going to have with God. And that's not the kind of superhuman leader that you need. You need a human leader for human life with human problems. And so I think that the Torah is telling us something really, really profound that, you know, once you enter the land, there's no more Moses with all of the greatness that comes to that. We're going to be on a smaller scale, but it's going to be human scale. So it's a, it's a, it's going from the Moses to Joshua. It's an important theme. I know, Barry, you want to just kind of... So what I would add to uh, what Jeremy said is that Moses is kind of like poetry in Joshua's prose. So there is this mythicality to Moshe. And um, at the same time, though, there's a, a human dimension that we have to address. So it's striking that... The very first word of the parsha, Bayat Khanan, Rashi, in one of his explanations, identifies Moses as praying, davening to God. And first he notes that this kind of prayer has to be a, a selfless prayer. We're not asking God for something that we deserve, but something that we want, that we're expressing freely. But the thing that struck me is that this prayer of Moses is answered negatively. And we don't always like to think of no as an answer to prayer, but I suspect for most of us, most of the time, that's the answer that we hear most often. And so this is a, another way in which we can identify with Moshe. Well, I, I would like to kind of get more precise on that. And you're referring to verse 26 here. I'll read it in Hebrew and then in English. But the Lord was wrathful with me on your account. Uh, he does not listen to me. And God said to me, enough. Don't talk to me about this matter again. So, you know, he doesn't really say no, but I mean, obviously, you know, don't talk to me about this is like a no, right? But it's 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 a different kind of answer than. I'm sorry, you're, you know, petition denied. It's it's not, we're not even talking about this. We're not well, even letting so this go to court. You have to ask yourself, why does God say don't talk to me exactly. about Exactly. So, and 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 uh, I'm not sure I really have a good answer other than to say that, that, that God is stuck to, you know, and that God 
God has made a, a decree, and that God God has figured out what Jeremy just said, which is, I need another leader. I need a different person. And this story is not going to work if you go in there, okay? You know, God was wrathful with me. Yeah, God is wrathful, okay? And Moshe is interpreting God's reaction to to, to him as, as wrathful. Velo Shammai lie, that that's a little, that's added insult i you know well so we can understand god i think here in one of two ways the first way i think god is kind of petulant you know enough moses you're not getting in i don't want to hear about this again but the other possibility that occurs to me is that god doesn't want moses to bring it up again because god's wavering himself and that moses who we know from elsewhere in the torah is the greatest advocate for the jewish people might be successful if he would press on with his petition to God. Because even God ultimately has to answer and address Moshe. I, lo- I love that. I love that. Uh, God's got a plan. God knows that the that the Rachamim impulse, the Midat HaRachamim, is, is at risk of being swayed by Moshe. So God says, okay, conversation ended. Don't ask me again. If you ask me again, I'm probably going to say yes. Um, I want to throw one more possible, not 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 an interpretation of God's role uh, or God's reaction, but to read this as uh, as I think, you know, in in real religious experience, um, what happens is, you know, there's a state of affairs in the world, and we interpret from our human standpoint uh, what what God must be thinking, feeling, or meaning, or whatever. Like, you know, Maimonides says. You know, God only does one thing. God just gods. You know, God just gods, and we interpret the the radiating metaphysical godness as being angry or being happy. But it's just it's to the, Maimonides at any rate. It's it's philosophically unacceptable to think that God would be changing because a human being says something. The the metaphysical principle of eternity is going to respond. No, it's just the people they feel they feel that God you know as God's as God is godding. Um, we interpret it this way. So, what if it, the, it, one possible possible way of feeling this scene is that Moshe has come up against an immovable brick wall, and that 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 you know that frustration he understands as kind of a divine nizifa, divine you know shut back, get away from me, and the pain of rejection or of uh, of impossibility. You know, maybe that, that's what's that's what's animating this pasuk. Okay, so so on the one hand, he does say Lo Shamai, like God hasn't heard me. And then the next the next very next verse is, you know, Ale Rosh go up to the top of the mountain, look to the west, to the north, to the south, to the east, look at it well. Uh cross and and so on the one hand there's a little bit of well maybe a lot of petulance or vindictiveness or you know bo- boundary setting with him on the other hand there's consolation there so I've, again you know a lot of this is the music of the of how you how you interpret this you know what you know it's really funny because uh, Miriam at camp brought me into the studio to record something for a play the god's voice okay so i gave a characteristic you know uh you know know, and and we are we interpret you know in in some way we have that kind of sense that 
the God speaks in a deep, but that's that's you know arbitrary. Um, the 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 question is, you know, when God says Ale Rosha Piska, is it you know how do you understand that? Is it is it Moses go up go up just you know here I know you can't go in, and I'm 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 sorry about that, but at at the very least I want you to go up to the mountain. And here, I want you to get a good look. You're you're Moses. You could see. You're you're you, you know you. you God bless you. You still have your vision, <laughs> you know. And you're you know unaided vision. You can see everything in the land that you that's possible. And while you're not going to go there, you're going to see it and be comforted in that. And and I mean, it's it's a romantic picture here. Of a of a um of a very difficult situation. He's got he's gonna come into terms with his mortality too, even though he's gonna go to his last breath kicking and screaming in our imaginations, I think. But you know, this moment of looking up at the at the at the at the land, it's gotta be powerful, no? It's I think incredibly poignant because this Moses is not just dying alone on top of the mountain himself, he's actually dying for everyone. Because as we approach the end of our life, assuming that we're conscious and we could sift through, we have regrets. There are things that are left undone. And we have to find a way of reconciling ourselves with that. That life ends with our tasks undone. Not all of them, of course, but enough of them that it presents a problem. And, you know, the image of the modern poet is about going, not going gently into the night. But you want to be able to go with some degree of peace. And that peace has to come together with the regrets of the things that are left undone. So okay, so so we we get that uh, a kind of longing picture that Moses is to go up. We, we're not going to get that scene until the very end of, of Deuteronomy, and then I I, I think um, the parsha is going to go into some some real substantive uh, content here. Vata Yisrael Shmaila Chukim, listen to the laws. And then verse 5 in chapter 4, See, I, I've taught you the laws. And it goes back uh, and it, it recounts the, the, um, the, the, the moment of revelation at Har Sinai, the Ten Commandments. And it gives us in chapter 6 what we recite every day, twice a day, three times a day. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Elohim, Adonai Echad. This is in this parsha, and it's often very interesting to to put the Shema in the context of Moses's, you know, Moses's prayer, Moses's speeches. You know, Moses, you know, until until there were rabbis who put the siddur together, the Shema was part of just a speech. But but Moses, it's you know, well, you know, uh, one of the things I love about the the Shema is that it is not addressed to God. It is it is it is worshipful when we say it, but just semantically speaking, you know, Baruch Hashem is addressed to God, but Shema Yisrael is Moshe speaking to us to 
to, as it were, study a passage of Torah with us. So reciting Shema is really more like ritualized, worshipful Torah study. And when you say Shema Yisrael, you are, you, you can consider yourself perhaps, you, you are saying Moses' voice to yourself, so you get to hear what Moses says to you, or you are being that Moses to your fellow, to your fellow Jews, and you are, you know, saying, listen, Israel, we have to keep to this divine path. We have to keep to this sacred path. Uh, and and here's how here's how you got to behave. You got to love the Lord. You got with all your with all your heart and your soul and your might. So you know if, if the two great pieces of worship are the Amidah, which is looking upward, the Shema is looking horizontally. Right. So another way to look at it is that the line Shema addresses us as a corporate entity. We are part of the nation, the Am, and the Ve'ahavta is directed to the individual. It's the first person, the second person singular, and those are the poles of our identity. Sometimes we stand as individuals, and sometimes we and sometimes we stand as part of a, a collective. So you know, we 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 recite this every day, and. Um... It wouldn't be recitable if it didn't have or yield to us maybe the possibilities of new meanings. I mean, you know, we, we meditate on the idea of God's oneness. We meditate on the idea of vahafta. Um, I, I had an idea recently. I was studying something in Yoshua, and there's there's a chapter in Yoshua where, where it lists all the the kings, and you know, it says king of so-and-so, echad, king of so-and-so, echad, king of so-and-so, echad. And I was listening to someone explain that, and he said, you know, this is, each one is limited. They're all the little kings, they're limited. Echad, one, one, one. And I thought, you know, but we say, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Does that, in a sense, limit God, or does it make us, does it say, is is the first line of the Shema, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad, Another way of saying God is the God of the universe, but also in some way has this unique relationship with this unique people. And that's, there's, it's, you can never say that God is limited, but that relationship, there's a relationship, a special relationship that, that is an intimate relationship, which includes which has as its proposition loyalty love connection intense connection uh with all your heart with all your soul with all your might to the limits of your consciousness and the limits of your of 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 your space i don't know if you you know when when you say god is one what do you think about i have a couple of ways that I think about it, but while I, I, mean, you, you, I do want to affirm the specialness of the relationship between God and Israel, I do not want to metaphysically affirm it, or I want to say that that each of the world's cultures and cultures before there was humanity and after there will no longer be humanity, um, that, that if God is truly the God of the cosmos, and that is true, then uh, everybody has to be able to have that, but you know we have it with you know I, I I do not think my children are the only children in the world, but they're the only ones who are my children, so I have a special relationship with them. Um, 
so I think of I'm someone mystically inclined. So I when I say echad, I'm thinking of the overarching oneness of all existence. But what I think the Torah pshat probably means is only Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai only, right? Exclusively. Don't be worshiping Ellen Baal when you get the get the anxiety about the rain or whatever. It's about loyalty. And I also appreciate another way of reading it, which is to say that God is echad. You know, the Zohar says, Antu chad you are one, but not numerically. It doesn't mean there's one and not two. It means you are uh, comprehensively unified throughout the world, throughout existence, but also could be unique. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai, one of a kind, like sweet generous, there's nothing like there's nothing like the divine. And I like that one, too. Okay. Barry? So what I would add here is that the Shema is kind of a riff or an interpretation of what we consider the first of the Ten Commandments, that I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. This is an imminent God, not the transcendent God. Our God is one that we can relate to, not one that is removed to the heavens and that is inaccessible to us. And so when we say the Shema, we are reestablishing a relationship that we can only have with one being, that is this God. All right, let's change gears and we'll talk about the Aftarav this week. Of course, everyone knows that this week is Tisha B'Av. Uh, we're recording this um, on uh, Erev, Erev Tisha B'Av, not uh, Wednesday, but Thursday is Tisha B'Av. We're recording it earlier in the week, Tuesday. Um, and we're also recording it in in uh, light of um, I, I don't know how to describe it a convulsion. This Israel is going through um, a real moment, a moment of of convulsion in terms of its own identity, its own self understanding, and its own sense of of who it is, what it is, and and um, none of us can say right now. We don't know what the next week is going to bring. We don't know what the next day is going to bring. Um, and, uh, of course, it's 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 part of our daily concern, and it's part of our, you know, it's right in front of us. Um, and it's it's very, very difficult, very difficult uh, for all of us. We're, we're, we're far away, and we're, we're deeply connected. Um, and I want Isaiah to speak to, to, you know, his own particular situation, his own historical context. And in some ways, what makes Isaiah great is he speaks beyond his context. He speaks to you and me now. And I guess here's what I, I would say just on that point. It's nachamu, nachamu, ami, comfort, oh, comfort my people. And, and, and how do you say comfort to someone when there's, when you're not yet ready you're still you're still in pain. You're still shocked. You know it's it's I, you know I go back and we've talked about this before. You know where where you're you're standing with a, a grieving family at the cemetery, and then you 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 finish the burial and you make the two columns that we do in the Ashkenazi tradition, and you say I'm a komyanachem at chem and that's the first time that they are to hear that. 
you know, may God comfort you. And it's it's reflected in different in in the Sephardic tradition um, in a different way. But you know, it's you're not ready yet for comfort because you still haven't accepted it. You still you still don't know what reality you're in. And so maybe Nachamu Nachamu Ami says, understand understand that you now have to look at your new reality and that I am comforting you. God is saying, and there can't be anything more comforting than that. Um, and, 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 you know, just want to kind of dwell in that, in those words for a minute and, and hear that voice is, is the, does it, does what Isaiah say resonate today? That's what I want to ask. Jeremy, what do you think? Well, first of all, these, these chapters in, this, in the final, you know, the, what we call second Isaiah, because they take place in the in the sixth century BCE, not the not the eighth century, like the first part of the book. Just the literary high point of the Bible, the the, the writing, the rhetoric, the poetry is just, ooh, it's just so so magnificent. But um, you know, first of all, I I I totally feel it in the phrase "Dabru elev Yerushalayim." Uh, speak to Jerusalem's heart. It's a broken heart, and Isaiah offers it some some salve, some uh, salvation, and some some easing of its pain. But I also would note that this is one of the things that makes it hard. Is the second is the second you know the safe of that pasuk, the end of that pasuk, the end of that verse two, is is, is theologically complicated. Speak to Jerusalem's heart, call to her, her service is ended and her sin is appeased. Because she has received at God's hand a double smack for all of her sins. Like God was really, really harsh with you. So in the measure with which this verse, you know, speaks to the heart, We've also taken the back of the hand from God, which is, you know, maybe not not such a great way to talk about God either. But it's certainly like like I said before about Moshe, it's not necessarily that God is doing anything other than Godding, but the way we experience what has happened is a very severe punishment. Uh, I would not like to say that God has smacked us twice. It's like a rather abusing parent kind of metaphor, um, but. The, the would tenderness. You, would you say instead, you know, we've gone, we've we've just had too much, we've more than we can bear, you know. I mean, it's poetry, so we can we have a license to to really explicate it in, in so many ways, you know. Double, yeah, but it's like you, you know, you're like my 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 punishment is too great. My the pain that I'm in now is more than I can handle, and and you know. The the comfort which is speaking to the heart, you know, um, that that could be enough. No, I don't know. So I think the subtext here is that the temple was destroyed as a punishment of the people, and that if we can't accept that, I I think there is no future for Judaism. That. The success of the people and the religion is predicated on this idea that somehow that what happened this week, um, 2,500 odd years ago, 
was our responsibility. And then when we understand punishment as something that happens to us that we deserve, we have a tendency to focus on the punishment. And what Isaiah is coming to tell us is that the punishment had a purpose, and this is the next day. That after the punishment, the scales have been balanced, and now we can move forward. And that's where the comfort will come. So the, the, the another part of this that is so great um, is that, you know, the punishment is more than I can bear. Obviously, you know, uh, our our listeners will probably know this, and you can figure it out even if you didn't ever hear it before. I'm sure you have. Israel's this tiny little people surrounded by great big empires. We're enslaved to the one great big empire to the southwest in, in, in Egypt. We're now serving the great big empire to the northeast in, in uh, Mesopotamia. But the order of power and apparent power is going to be inverted. And in the middle of the desert, there's going to be a road. And in the verse four and and verse five, and you know, Americans, b- both lovers of modern Hebrew literature and Americans will resonate, especially to verse four and verse five. Kol kol all the all the valleys will be raised up, all the mountains and hills will be brought low. The and the twisted will become straight. And the the rock strewn places will become a, a plain. The 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 crooked will be made straight is uh the title of Shai Agnon's first great novella. Uh definitely should read it. The Niglek Vodadunai, and the presence of the Lord shall appear, and all flesh will see it together. You know who said that, right? MLK on that August day in 1963. Uh the Lord will appear and all flesh will see it together. So it looks like hills are important and valleys are low, but I got to tell you something, the, the the apparent power structure, the apparently twisted is going to become a plane. The apparent plane is going to get twisted. The high is going to be brought low. The low is going to be brought high. And so you little people, um, you think that you're going to get trampled. Actually, there's going to be a reordering of things. So what I want to say is, is that without Isaiah, we don't have, we don't have the opening for a new kind of Judaism. I, I think, uh, is it too much to say that Isaiah is is the 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 gate opener for for uh, hope, for comfort, for the possibility of renewal, return? Ooh, absolutely, and and. Um, and all the things, I mean, this is just the first chapter, the first verses of, of you know, we're going to have 26 chapters of, of this and similar um, themes over the next seven weeks here. And um, so, so I mean, it, it's a lot to put on his shoulders and say, you know, without, had there not been an Isaiah, uh, there wouldn't be a Judaism. Uh, is it too much to say that? Or, or I don't know. There wouldn't be a Judaism. There wouldn't be Judaism if there were not uh, the possibility of tshuva. I mean, Jeremiah also has tshuva, but uh, it's such a it's such a uh, a negative. There wouldn't be a possibility of repentance. You know, in Jeremiah, there is repentance, but it's 
you better turn around because you are so terrible. Uh, in Isaiah, it's, you know, we talked about this last week at the, at the very beginning of Isaiah, though your sins be scarlet, they can once again be white as snow. Uh, you can change the course of your society and you can be good. You know, you don't have to be bad. You can be good. And so that affirmative thing, I think, is deeply, deeply layered in Judaism. I don't think there'd be a Judaism without the sense, without that sense, which we basically have derived from the prophets, that um, that you are in command of, of the moral character of your own life and you are adequate to confront, you know, the moral duties of being a human being and being a Jewish human being. I think, you know, we go from we go from the Parsha, God in Deuteronomy, who, Shema Lachukim, you got to do and obey, and you gotta, you gotta, you know, can't veer right or left from the commandments. And there's a lot of obedience in um, Deuteronomy to God as comforter, God as you know. I'm going to talk to you, I'm going to speak, speak to the heart. I'm going to pull you to me. Um, there's an embrace here, and and it's it, it's not far fetched to say that there's a, a maybe not a slightly different theology here. There's a a very different theology here. Very. So, different. what I the way I would put it is in Deuteronomy we listen to God, but in Second Isaiah God listens to us. Nice, nice. Yes. Okay. And there's lots of words of comfort there, but we'll leave it. We'll leave it there because we've brought the people to listen to, to the people who listen to us for thirty minutes. We want to thank them. Thank them for listening. We're enjoying this uh, go-through of the summer parshiot. We wish everybody an easy fast, we hope, uh, and and that they had a meaningful Tisha B'Av in however, which way they uh, observe it or observed it, if they're listening to us uh, after Tisha B'Av, and that they have a meaningful Shabbat Nachamu. And as far as uh, our brothers and sisters in Israel are concerned, we pray that the the, the healing power of God come to the, the land of Israel and bring peace and understanding among us. Uh, we pray that there's no violence. We pray for understanding and and that these difficult, difficult days in which people are expressing themselves in in, in such urgency um, be be that and and it, that it go to no further than than that no no violence, no shedding of blood. Uh, King Yeratsan. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everybody. We'll see you next week on the next edition of Parsha Talk.
Tu 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 t